Welcome to Cases and Controversies, a Supreme Court podcast by Bloomberg Law. I'm Jordan Rubin. And I'm Kimberly Robinson. Happy New Year, Cases and Controversies listeners. We're back for the first sneak peek of 2020 for the week of January 13th. Oh, I'm getting chills. Yep. Get ready. So the justices for this first week of the year are going to take on discrimination, trademarks, and the corruption prosecution stemming from the infamous Bridgegate scandal. But first, Kimberly, we have some arguments coming up on Monday on preclusion and ERISA. What's happening there? So for the first arguments of 2020, the Supreme Court is going to kick off with Lucky Brand Dungarees versus Marcel Fashions Group. Now, this is a nearly two decades long trademark dispute between the two parties over Marcel's Get Lucky mark. And there's been really several rounds of litigation between these two parties since 2001. But in the latest dispute, the Second Circuit said that Lucky could not assert certain defenses that it could have brought up in earlier litigation. Now, the case deals with the familiar doctrine of claim preclusion, which prevents a party from relitigating an issue that it either did litigate or could have litigated in earlier cases between the two parties. And The question here is whether it applies not only to plaintiffs who are asserting certain claims, but also to defendants. Now, Marcel says that this so-called defense preclusion actually advances the goals of claim preclusion, which include, uh, you know, really preserving judicial resources so, you know, that the parties don't bring up claims that it could have brought up in earlier litigation. But Lucky Brand says that actually a defense preclusion actually makes things worse because it requires defendants to press all of their defenses um, to finality at the earliest possible time, even when doing so doesn't really make sense for that particular litigation. So this, of course, question is very important to the parties here, um, but it could actually have implications for really all civil cases that are litigated in federal courts. So um, lawyers, keep an eye on this one. And then the second case up on Monday is Thole versus U.S. Bank. Now, this is one of several ERISA cases that the justices are going to consider this term. Of course, ERISA is the Employee Retirement Income Security Act, which governs most retirement plans in the United States. The question here is one of standing, and in particular, whether pension participants can sue for breaches of fiduciary violations where the plan hasn't fallen below ERISA's minimum funding levels. Now, these funding levels are meant to ensure that that plans can pay all of their promised benefits. So here, the Eighth Circuit said that Uh, pension participants couldn't sue whenever the plan had recovered and was now adequately funded. And it tossed out a suit related to nearly a billion dollars in losses following the financial crisis in the 2000s um, due to U.S. banks' really high-risk investments. There's a circuit split on this issue, and so this is one the justices uh, decided to take up and resolve. Okay, so that's Monday. Then on Tuesday, uh, the first case that the justices will hear uh, deals with some familiar themes, uh, corruption, lies, and political payback against the backdrop of a heated re-election campaign. Obviously, I'm talking about Bridgegate. I don't know what you were thinking Obviously, of. you're talking about your home state. Exactly. Yes, proud uh, New Jersey native here, which, you know, um, for some people it's a crime. For some people it's, you know, just New Jersey politics. We'll see what the Supreme Court's going to oh, say. Oh, I thought you meant being a, from New Jersey was a crime. Well, you know, there might be a circuit... Uh, split on that. Might be a little heavy. But anyway, so um, 
we all remember the Bridgegate scandal, and for those who don't, this was back in 2013 when then New Jersey Governor Chris Christie was up for re-election. Wait, the, is that the, um, was he a former prosecutor? He was Christie? the U.S. attorney. Um, oh, okay. Some of you may remember who've uh, now coming full circle as we're now in an election year. This kind of comes full, full circle on the last election cycle where uh, Chris Christie was a contender who did note that he sometimes that he was a former U.S. attorney. Um, but this case actually kind of ties into that because there is a theory that it was this Bridgegate scandal that wind up taking uh, Christie out of the race and then helped uh, now President Trump win election. But that's a story for another podcast. Right. We digress. That's not the issue the Supreme Court is going to hear, right? No, not even no. close. So anyway, this Bridgegate scandal back in 2013, Chris Christie was up for re-election. Uh, the mayor of Fort Lee, which is a town in New Jersey right outside New York City, declined to endorse Christie. And after that, uh, what happened was traffic patterns in Fort Lee right at the George Washington Bridge, uh, which is the busiest bridge in the world, which is how you get into New York City from New Jersey. Uh, there was a bunch of gridlock traffic there because the lanes were uh, realigned. Uh, there was gridlock traffic. Police and paramedics had difficulty responding to a missing child, and there was a heart attack, and paramedics had to respond to a call on foot. Uh, it turns out, though, that the altering of those traffic lanes was political payback to the Fort Lee mayor for not endorsing Christie, and it was part of a scheme to impose crippling gridlock in Fort Lee under the guise of supposedly conducting this traffic study. And there were prosecutions by the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office, Governor Christie's former office that he used to head, against uh, Christie aide Bridget Ann Kelly and a Port Authority executive, William Baroni. And they were prosecuted for their role in the scheme under the federal fraud laws. And the government's theory was that they defrauded the Port Authority of physical property, uh, meaning the special access lanes that Fort Lee ordinarily had access to, and toll booths and money by way of the public employee labor that was uh, paid as a result of this scheme in order to carry out these lane reductions, and that uh, Kelly and Baroni lied about conducting a traffic study, study to basically help cover up their real purpose of getting this payback against the local mayor. Uh, but even though no one's saying Kelly and Baroni behaved well here, there is actually a decent chance that the Supreme Court's going to overturn their convictions here. But that's because in a string of corruption cases over the years, the Supreme Court has struck down the government's prosecution efforts, essentially saying that prosecutors have been overreaching. And so Kelly and Baroni hope that theirs is next in this line of cases. And we'll see if the argument on Tuesday sheds any light on whether it will be. And so that's the first case on Tuesday. The second one actually also deals uh, with property, intellectual property. Um, exciting, right? And this one is a trademark infringement case, Romag Fasteners Against Fossil. And the question here is whether under the Lanham Act, plaintiffs need to show willful infringement in order to win an infringer's profits. What happened here was you have Fossil, which sells handbags, and it had a contract with Romag under which it would purchase fasteners from Romag to use for the bags. So Romag found out that Fossil uh, had used counterfeit Romag fasteners on its bags, which is uh, apparently not allowed. Um, so Romag sued Fossil for infringement and won, but the jury said that Fossil didn't act willfully, uh, but rather with callous disregard. So because of that, because the jury didn't find that Fossil acted willfully, Romag couldn't get the millions it otherwise would have gotten in fossil profits. And so there's a circuit split here, too, in this case, on what plaintiffs need to show in these situations with trademark infringement, uh, what level of intention plaintiffs need to show in 
so the justices can try and clear up that split here. And that's Tuesday. And so rounding out uh, the week is just one case on Wednesday, and this is Babb versus Wilkie. This involves the Age Discrimination and Employment Act, which protects workers over 40 years of age. In this case, Dr. Norris Babb says that the Department of Veterans Affairs made some adverse employment decisions against her based in part on her age. Now, the 11th Circuit said that she, uh, she couldn't bring her claims because she hadn't alleged that her age was the but-for cause of those adverse decisions, meaning that um, but for her age, there would have been a different outcome. Now, it's important to note that uh, for private employers, the Supreme Court has already held that uh, but-for causation must be alleged. But the wording is a little bit different as it applies to federal government employees. And um, this issue may sound familiar to mm-hmm. cases and controversies listeners, um, and that's because it's it's very similar to a case the justices heard in November, Comcast versus the National Association of African-American-Owned Media, um, which dealt with race discrimination and whether or not um, but-for causation had to be alleged um, in that realm. And so, you know, how broadly or narrowly did justices um, resolve these causation disputes could have ramifications for other civil rights disputes going forward. All right. Thanks for that. And thanks for uh, joining us again, listeners, for another year in 2020 of uh, sneak peeks and deep dives, which we'll have later on. But the next episode, remember to tune in, is going to be for the week of January 20th. A short week. A short week because there are no arguments on Monday, but we'll be bringing you a sneak peek for that one as well. Don't worry. In the meantime, you can follow along with the latest at news.bloomberglaw.com. Thanks for listening. Hi there, I'm Amanda Icone, co-host of Talking Tax. Each week, we dig into the biggest tax and financial accounting challenges and opportunities from policy to on-the-ground realities. We bring you corporate leaders, accountants, and industry insiders. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. For more, check us out on news.bloombergtax.com.